before we begin, I want to thank everyone watching uh, the podcast on TikTok, Facebook, on Spotify, and on YouTube. Your support helps encourage me to keep going. There are a lot of people watching on TikTok who are missing the full, the oatmeal shop. I encourage you to take an opportunity. Subscribe to us on YouTube. Go to the oatmeal shop com and watch the show there or subscribe to the video podcast through spotify we hate to see you miss the big brother show by just watching the music minutes but we welcome you for watching the music minutes every time you do thank you and let's get on with the show we have over 100 years of wonderful recorded music out there. So why do most people listen to the same 100 songs? Like the treasures on the shelves of a thrift shop. There are so many great songs out there waiting for us to find. Let's find those treasures together. I am David Rankin, and this is The Old Mill Shop. Greetings, solo shoppers. Welcome to The Old Mill Shop. So let's talk about new albums for the month. I've looked through some of the released albums for the end of November and the first of December, and I've got four albums that I can recommend that people consider. The first, Sail on Sailor, a six-CD box set from the Beach Boys that celebrates their two albums, Carl and the Passions and Holland, both of 1972. It includes a 46-page book that has liner notes and rare pictures and the cds have the final remastered versions of the songs from the album as well as outtakes additional tracks from these albums and from others and a previously unreleased concert at carnegie hall the second album live at the fillmore tom petty and the heartbreakers this is a four cd disc set that is made up of recordings that tom petty and the heartbreakers made while in in residence doing six concerts over 20 days at the fillmore in california the box contains 58 tracks of their songs and 38 previously unreleased covers of other people's songs this box set will give you a side of the tom petty and the heartbreakers that is rarely heard outside of a concert and certainly not in this volume kazemi by kaylin rose kaylin rose has a beautiful voice and has released an old country slash pop album named Kazemi. It's a light-hearted album by a pretty lady with a pretty voice. It's a bit over-processed, especially for alt-country. I wish they'd left the producing alone a little bit, but it's still pretty and it's worth at least one listen along the way and then sophie jameson with choosing this is an interesting and challenging debut album from a new young singer um she's pinning square into the alternative genre she reminds me of a sparse nora jones or a less russian slash new york gina specter it's another album well worth your listen she's taking you to a very different place than miss rose for example but the same general sentiments apply it's a it's a pretty trip and you'll enjoy at least one listen all the way through go on apple music and take a listen to sophie jameson choosing today's two for one special saint james infirmary by Louis Armstrong. Before we begin this week's two for one special, let's cover the songs that we've talked about in this week's music minute. On Monday, the vintage corner was Weary Blues by Louis Armstrong. Tuesday, Save Tonight by Eagle Eye Cherry. Wednesday was Winds of Change by the Scorpions. Thursday, The Way I Am by Ingrid Michelson. And 
Friday is Sleepyhead by Passion Pit. Today's two-for-one special is St. James Infirmary by Louis Armstrong. St. James Infirmary is one of the latest versions of a song that began its history, as best we can tell, by a version called The Unfortunate Lad or The Unfortunate Rake that has bounced around England since the 1700s and then bounced through the U.S. In the West, the Streets of Laredo appear to be a version of that song. If you listen to the Streets of Laredo and St. James Infirmary, they seem awfully close, similar subject. The song probably picked up the name St. James Infirmary somewhere before New Orleans because there's no real record of a St. James Infirmary in New Orleans that fits the song and fits the times we know it's there. It's also looks like the song has picked up pieces of other songs because you start out with woman being dead in the infirmary and then she's not dead, and then he's dying. So it's a possibility you could have up to two or three different songs mashed together, which is not uncommon for the singers in the uh, 20s and 30s. Even now, we have melodies that come through, people putting two or three songs together to lengthen them or to make them sound together. We have several recordings of what is or closely resembles the modern St. James Infirmary from the 10s and 20s. So we know quite a few people were probably singing it by the time that Louis Armstrong came around. Even so, I feel like that this was a definitive version that he put his stamp on. Like Johnny Cash after him, I believe that Louie took possession of this song in his singing of it and in his playing. That has influenced other people since the 20s to come through and try to record the song as well or better. But I don't believe anyone ever has. Part one of the song is a love lost song because it talks about his wife woman stretched out on a hospital table so fair so cold uh, so pale earlier versions of the songs had friends they had lads they had fellow soldiers this one picks his love but it's interesting because the very next verse talks about her having gone away that she'll never find anyone who loves her more than him. So it's interesting, is the second version of this song talking about a next life, a reincarnation, or is it a mashup and it's not the same woman as is laying on the table? It makes life a little interesting to think about. Uh, Louis doesn't think about it too much. He plows straight on to the third verse. So the third verse is a Street of Laredo style song where he's telling his friends how to bury him. And I have to admit that the person who wrote this part of the song knows their style. He wants a box back suit, which they had to kind of do some research because box back style suits had already gone out of fashion by the time Louis sang this in the 20s. Basically, instead of an opening in the middle of the jacket in the back, there's openings on two sides that looks like a box tail if you kind of hold it up by itself. The interesting thing is that those have actually come around again and I own a box back suit. My last suit has the uh, box style uh, openings to help make the suit fit my cut better. Also in addition to a box back suit the singer wants his nice pants and a Stetson hat. Most people these days associate Stetson hats with 
cowboy hats but Stetson has been out the finest maker of hats cowboy and otherwise for over a hundred years he wants a good hat in this case I would expect probably black bowler or similar style but he wants a good hat so then the capstone he wants a $20 gold piece on his watch chain that's going to signify he's got a lot of money even today a $20 liberty coin is going to go above $2,000 in value easily uh, retail so uh, you're talking about putting uh, several thousand dollars worth of gold in the casket this would be like um women wanting to put their finest jewelry in with them to signify hey i'm rich enough i can be buried with rich jewelry put that gold piece on my watch chain and the quote is so the boys can know i'm dying standing pat standing pat's not a common vernacular anymore but i have to assume not broke rich he's standing pat assuming you have to go in the first place i kind of like the sound of it of being able to say, dress me up and show everyone I'm, I, I stood pat. I'm fine with that one. Every year I seem to get on my high horse about songs played at Christmas that aren't Christmas songs. There's all kinds of songs that show up on the secular radio stations that start Christmas songs before Thanksgiving or just afterwards. It seems like there's always the same five or six, but I'm not going to pick on those particularly. But there are several Christmas songs that aren't Christmas songs. We sing them at Christmas time, or we play them on the radio as Christmas carols, but they're not Christmas songs. So let's pick seven that I've seen and want to complain about. That's the joys of this being my podcast. I get to talk about mine. You talk about yours in the comment or go make your own list, put it up on YouTube and put a link in the comments. Joys of true democracy. You put your list up. We're going to go seven to one. I found seven. I didn't want to push it because I could go all night. Number seven is Holly and the Ivy. The Holly and the Ivy gets some mention not because of the Christian versions of it. Those are pretty, and I've included a link to a really gorgeous one that I found while we were looking for this, but there are researchers who have found pre-Christian versions of the song The Holly and the Ivy that have pagan implications, which means that, once again, we Christians have culturally appropriated someone else's winter holiday song and made it our own. Fortunately, in the field of music, to paraphrase Picasso, good artists take, great artists steal. Great musicians steal all the time. I have no problem someone stealing anyone's song and changing it out. But it's still fascinating that the original song isn't Christmas. So number six, Jingle Bells. The link version that we've got is for Brian Seltzer's orchestra, but everyone's played Jingle Bells. And this is an area I've ranted before, even on this version of the blog. Jingle Bells is a Thanksgiving carol. Yes, it's talking about being able to ride a sleigh out in the snow. Yes, it's talking about no time get-togethers. As I mentioned in the uh, Snow at Christmas video, that's something that hit in the 1840s and we're still not over. Snow in the 
in the period between Thanksgiving and Christmas. Jingle Bells just isn't a Christmas song. There's nothing about Christmas in it. There's nothing about Christ in it. It's a Thanksgiving song. And then, in Brian Seltzer's version, not only do you rock out, but you get a 57 Chevrolet every couple of verses. But that just seems right, given it's a Brian Seltzer version. So number five, Fleet Foxes, White Winter Hymnal. I first heard this through the Pentatonics cover of this song, and I would have put that up, but we were going to have Pentatonics singing every version of this, and I didn't want a Pentatonics list. I wanted a Not Christmas Christmas list. So uh, the link in the description is the Fleet Foxes original version. It doesn't help unfortunately. I've made a lot of attempts to understand what this song is about. Uh, Lots of people on the internet have. There's lots of theories. My personal favorite is it's either Cub Scouts or World War I soldiers out on a march and they somehow get shot up or hurt, which is very interesting that it's Cub Scouts that get shot up and hurt, but uh, we're talking internet theories here, so They go out there. I couldn't tell you. And the Fleet Fox people won't tell you. So I don't pretend to understand it. But it is a pretty song. And it is a winter song, obviously. But there's absolutely nothing to do with Christ or Christmas. So why are we listening to it as a Christmas song? The next four really aren't in any particular order. Uh, There's not best to worst or favorite to not favorite. Because this is one of my favorite songs, Hallelujah. Uh, Leonard Cohen's song, but the link is Pentatonic's version. The word Hallelujah itself is actually a Hebrew phrase, Hallelujah. It's literally in an interjection, praise God in song, you praise God in song. And it's come out more of a, less of an order and more of a I praise God interjection. But it means both ways. The The word starting with A, hallelujah, is a Greek alliteration of that word as well. Leonard Cohen thought he was writing an anti-gospel song. He hasn't commented a lot on it. He has some, but this is my interpretation of what he was trying to do. I think he wanted to write a song that sounded like a gospel and mashed together some things that he kind of remembered from his Bible lessons as a uh, secular Jew. But then he wanted to slip in humanistic parts and present a song that's... uh, that's the antithesis of an actual gospel song. What I think he didn't realize as a non-Christian is that people call to God when they're at their lowest. In our pain, in our weakness, and in our need is when we cry, not at our heights and not at our greatness. It's a hold and it's a broken hallelujah that often gets cried out. The end of the song, I'm often, uh, if I'm in, depending on the mood I'm in, I can be bawling because it strikes at me, this is, I'm the person who should be on my knees wanting to cry to God, hallelujah, because there's nothing different between this person singing the song and me. Where Cohen thinks that he sings about people too broken to sing to a God he doesn't believe in, he's instead singing about the exact people who will call out even harder to God, hallelujah, 
praise to you. There's nothing else they can do but but cry praise. Still, it's not a Christian song. There's no reference to Christ. No Christmas. No Christmas story. It's not a Christmas song. Three, Winter Wonderland. There's a lot of versions of this song. They talk about pretty scenery and pretty weather. I love the idea of the winter wonderland, the snow about, and playing in it, and so on. Yes, they mention Parson Brown, and they talk about that they'll get married eventually. Some versions make the snowman a circus clown, not a Parson Brown. It's not a Christmas song. It's There's no Christ, there's no holiday, there's no Christmas. It's a winter song again. But I couldn't resist calling out a techno house beat version of Winter Wonderland that I found while looking for the various links. Um, Zombic and Nixter have released a techno version of Winter Wonderland. I'm very fond of techno and EDM music uh, in reasonable doses, so it's fun to see this as a uh, bit of a palate cleanser, especially compared to having to listen to Mariah Carey yet again. Okay, number two, my favorite things. I love this song. It's uplifting. It's cheerful. It tells us all the stuff we should be liking. I'm glad for that. It's a great musical song. It's a great song from a musical. It's a great song for a musical. It's a great song for a movie. Julie Andrews hits it out of the park. But it has absolutely nothing to do with Christianity, with Christmas, or Christ. I'm sorry. Once again... This song hasn't got anything to do with Christmas. Well, I decided while looking, I found a U.S. and Indian groups that had made a recording of John Coltrane's arrangement of my favorite things. And they included traditional Indian instruments. So I really want you to take a listen to that version of my favorite things because it's a really neat jazz song. And finally, uh, one of the more controversial standard Christmas Not Christmas songs, Baby It's Cold Outside. Okay, let's deal with it first. This is not a date rape song. Yes, he's trying to talk her into it, but she wants to be talked into it. And the whole point is she's giving him all the code words that Tell him that, hey, I'm along for the ride. You just got to give me cover here. I like to swap genders if I'm testing a song. If you take Carrie Underwood's If He Cheats and have a guy sing it, I think he's lined up for 10 to 20. And he should be. So therefore, she should be as well. She doesn't get a, I'm a cute empowered woman break because if a man wouldn't in the same place. So... The version of Baby It's Cold Outside that I've provided is one that I think is really cute and does this gender sharp really well, She and Him. Zoe Danchel sings the aggressor in the song, and M. Ward plays the chase, man in this case. So Mr. Ward really makes it clear how he's not really saying no here. He's trying to get talked into it. In the 50s, it would have been unheard of to have a woman play the aggressor in the song or real life. 
but now it just seems more commonplace. However, this absolutely is not a Christmas song, and it's not a Christian song. There's no Christ, there's no Christian morals, because basically this is about two people negotiating a sleepover with sex, and uh, outside of marriage. There's nothing Christmas about this song. There are all kinds of really good Christmas songs, and you've got Apple Music. So I'm gonna next week. I'm going to give you my list of at least seven favorite Christmas songs or albums to listen to as an alternative. So we've come to the end of yet another show. Keep listening to music that's new to you. Please come back for the next episode of the Old Mill Shop. Thanks to Apple for use of the Samantha voice. Thanks to Zapsplat at www.zapsplat.com for theme song and incidental music. Copyright David W. Rankin Jr. DBA The Old Mill Shop Music Experience.